Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or go anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Not Your Mother's Radio has a very special guest today. Jessica Lee Morgan is a wholehearted singer-songwriter who doesn't beat around the bush. She's been raised on rock and folk by legendary parents, Mary Hopkin and Tony Visconti, and writes songs that reflect her upbringing and jobs in the real world. As happy in a tiny club or a large theater, she performs live a with her acoustic guitar, percussion strapped to her army boots, and partner Christian Thomas on bass. Jessica's released four albums, all recorded wherever her studio happens to be, Boat, Campervan, Cider Farm, Scenic Viewpoint on the A470, with Christian at the controls. The latest is Forthright, released in June 2020. They have been released on their own label, Space Records. She plays 12-string, saxophone, 
Percussion and vocals in the Bowie supergroup Holy Holy with her father Tony Visconti and Spiders from Mars drummer Woody Woodmansey. They've toured the UK, Canada, Europe, and Japan. In the USA, as part of a nine-week tour, they played Carnegie Hall and Radio City along with such stars as Debbie Harry, Robin Hitchcock, Perry Farrell, Cindy Lauper, and Ann Wilson. Very often Jessica shared the support slot with her singer-songwriter-composer brother, Morgan Visconti. She's also sung on his album, Ride. So after this song by Jessica we will get the show started. Stay safe my friends.
afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Not Your Mother's Radio podcast featuring the illustrious Elliot Goldstein and the equally, well, slightly less illustrious Jim McCarthy. Today, we are going to interview and talk to a wonderful singer-songwriter called Jessica Lee Morgan. And uh, just a bit of history here. Jessica is the daughter of Tony Biscotti, music producer. I don't think he needs much introduction, but... He's worked with The Move, T-Rex, Mark Bolan, David Bowie, Thin Lizzy, and many, many more. And um, her mother is Mary Hopkins, who was one of the first signees to Apple Records, if I'm correct, back in the right. 60s, and who had hits with uh, Those Were the Days, Tema Harbour, and other things. So she comes from an illustrious musical background and parentage, and... Um, uh, personally, through a friend of mine called Wesley McGugan, who uh, is a member of the PRS, which I'll ask Jess about in a minute. And that's where I first met her in Wesley's studio when we were working together, me and Wesley. So, Jess, lovely to see you again. And Since you too. Since we saw you at the Delaware Pavilion with your dad. Holy, holy, was it called? Holy, holy, holy yes. yes. Holy, holy, yeah. He was out playing bass with that band. And um, it's great to see you again. How are you, Jess? What's happening in the world of singer-songwriters at the moment? What is it like to be a musician in these bizarre COVID-19 times? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's any more bizarre than any other time being a musician, really. Yeah. Um, we've, uh, my partner, Christian, and I, we've never been busier. We've, put, you know, we've been on, on a world tour. We've been uh, putting out albums. And so, yeah, it's been very, very productive. And I think uh, musicians are always very adaptable, so... Mm-hmm. You're, I think, I um, think, when you say your partner Christian you've been on a world tour you're talking about a virtual world tour or yes. an actual world tour <laughs> it was a virtual tour oh, but it felt so- it felt incredibly real we toured the time zones of the world we started in San Francisco and ended up in uh, Edmonton Canada <laughs> we, oh, so we did each show how at 7 date, how many dates did you do 24 24 we played in some very out of the way places all, all fully researched real venues and uh, of course, you know we broadcast from our from our home hub. But uh, yeah, it felt very, very it, real. From where we're speaking now, yeah. Yes, yeah. My my world stage here. That's <laughs> really brilliant. It's nice and yeah, it's lovely. It's, uh, can you tell us a bit about growing up <laughs> in a family in which maybe Tony wasn't so well known in the foreground then, but your mother certainly was. What was it like for you as a child? being dipped into, being born into music, not being dipped into it, being born into it. <laughs> How did it feel? What can you remember about that? It must have been very intriguing, to say the least. Well, you don't know as a child, do you? You accept what's mm. what's normal. It's just it's just mm. your normal, isn't it? So um, yeah. it was, uh, I guess that's possibly what makes me adaptable now. So uh, there were always friends popping in and making music, and then whenever we anything interesting we were had a microphone pointed at us or a or a tape recorder or, or a, a, you know loads of photographs both keen photographers uh, my parents and um yeah. yeah we were always creating and and singing and whatever but uh yeah it was just normal really what can i say mm-hmm. it's only when you get to school and you and everybody's going around saying you know my, you know in french we have to see what your parents do you know my my father's a banker and my mum's an architect and mom's, <laughs> like my mum's a famous singer and my dad's a famous record producer and they probably thought i was a spoiled brat <laughs> and that's when you know you're different <laughs> yeah yeah it was the glamour profession i guess it was mm. certainly, certainly still 
same way as it was in the 60s, 70s and possibly 80s. Um, when did you, when, I mean, obviously, I believe some of these qualities and abilities are passed through genetically through the family, obviously. So you have a, you have a dad who's worked with very high-end musicians and producing and also kind of changing the way production scene and adding beautiful strings to pieces and actually adding music to already existing songs. When did you first start becoming aware that you wanted to write material yourself, you know, and how did that that gestate for you? I think it was probably fairly organic. I found some old memorabilia and there's, you know, songs by Jessica Aged for, you know, you start rhyming things and you start doodling Mm. things down. And um, so yeah, I, I remember writing my first proper songs at the piano when I was about 14, you know, songs that I would consider, you know, first chorus, etc. Mm-hmm. songs that I would have wanted to perform out loud. Um, yeah. Before that, I guess the focus possibly was more on, on performing as well, you know, through school and take, take the lead role in things uh, or mm-hmm. the solo yeah. role, school productions. Now, yeah. Of course, I was in the studio when I was a kid too, so I was, uh, I was on Hazel O'Connor's uh, album, Possibly when we knew Wesley. Did the famous sex solo one? I, uh, my memory's not very good and I should have ch- checked this before I spoke to you. But we, we were on a song called E.I. Adio, uh, <laughs> me and my brother. Okay, yeah, right. Choir yeah. thing. And, um, and then again, when I, uh, I think of a couple of other things. The Elaine Page album, I was a mini pop when I was 10. So I was on Elaine Page's album. My mum was on there as well. So, uh, so the recording side came very naturally as well. I was very, very at home in the studio and in front of a microphone. So, um, yeah, quite an organic process, and always encouraged. Never, never forced to, but always encouraged. If I did show, yeah, yeah. Did you? I mean, I mean, things like my. I mean, I used to read about Marvin Gaye's mic technique, about you know all this stuff that he did, and he knew, you know, almost within centimeters how to get certain melismas out of his voice because he had three kind of voices and it must have been great seeing your mum for example who had a very strong voice um I can't really describe her as very clear and bell-like or I don't know how you could pronounce how you could describe a voice but um seeing the way that they actually sang in a studio must have given you kind of a real straight away you had an idea of how to actually do that I I don't even remember being I mean they must have guided me but I I, yeah. I must have taken to it very quickly, but the you know the, the awareness of the microphone it it never scared me. Yeah. Uh, you, you know when I've helped young kids in the studio after, and obviously when I was a grown up, I have mm. to remember that I take it for granted being in front of a of a microphone. It's not scary yeah. to me at all. But to to somebody who's never come face to face with that you know gadget <laughs> right yeah, in front yeah. of your face, very uh, you have to, it is. Yeah, yeah. But in, in terms of mic technique, again, I guess that that developed naturally, and I've you know. This mic proximity and different things you can get and yeah uh, my mum's very good my well, mum as well she's a one take wonder so really take, yeah so I guess I, I can turn them out to no fluffs and wow no no she's great she'll always tell you oh that was rubbish let's do it again but the first take is always visible if not you know something that she's completely happy with <laughs> so how did you sorry go on Elliot. let's get to some real questions what cartoons did you watch as a kid? What's your favourite cartoon character yeah. and what's your favourite drink? Brilliant. Well, uh, The Simpsons and Jägermeister. Um, 
I remember, well, I spent a lot of time in America as a kid. Well, it felt like a lot of time because my grandparents were still out there. Well, obviously they're out there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. They moved from Brooklyn to Pennsylvania when I was about seven. Right. And so I remember, you know. Brooklyn, ha- Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Him, him, him. I can't, don't ask me. London, London. Somewhere, somewhere in the Italian, the Italian quarter. Yes. Uh, in Brooklyn. And um, I, yeah, have some, gr- I have some great photos of your dad at your grandparents' house. Uh, with um, Mark Bolin, actually, that's right. eating yes. Sunday meals. I have that somewhere. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, we d- we just did a Mark Bolin show, and I referred to that uh, picture of Grandma cooked, uh, baked him a cake with in in uh, <laughs> Oh, fantastic. So Italian. Yeah. Her yeah. cooking was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, so I remember watching, you know, certainly the TV we watched. They had a big, one of those big, um, what do you call them? CRT like projector televisions, you know, big, big, big. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Split the, with the three lamps in the front, yep. so we'd watch yeah. Nickelodeon and uh, and MTV and all that kind of. There you go. Stuff. Yeah, are, yeah. This is the stuff remember, fans want to know. Is it? Well, I'll tell you something else. I, I don't want to know about your singing and writing. I just want to know this stuff. No, everybody really? knows about that. The coin, the coin. Do you remember the coin-operated TVs in the airport? No, no. I, I, I remember that at Kennedy Airport. Yeah. Put, wow. Put, Put quarters in them for like fifteen minutes a quarter. I remember yes. those. Yeah, yep. yeah. Oh, I'm glad you do. I thought I was going nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And it's and funny then... because um, over in the UK, you guys had pay TV before we did, which I guess is cable TV. Cable. With cable. Big... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They used to call it pay TV. So we yeah. still have got pay TV. It's called the BBC. Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, <laughs> I actually got a bloody license. But you see, I, I was—I actually spent—I uh, was actually in the UK, and I remember putting coins in your heating things to keep the. Uh, the heat oh on. yeah, yeah, the gas meter. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that's how your TVs were. I thought you had coins to get to put into your TV, <laughs> yeah, like like it. Yeah, like like at the airport. The airport, you actually had to put quarters in the TV. <laughs> they should have done. There was a certain part in my life, Jessica, where I was very down on my luck, and I was living in a council flat in southeast London, and I used to turn the gas meat around the other way, so that wheel was going sort of backwards. Oh. And they tied right and we owe you money that's very clever i never would have thought of that i know well it was just it came out of financial desperation I think. <laughs> he's reminding us of some really horrible times in the uk isn't he oh, oh dear we'll be there. so your favorite cartoon character was <laughs> oh well uh currently i love i love the simpsons i love family guy if we go to a hotel family we'll be guy. up to like, 1am watching family guy and american dad and uh, we've been just been watching thunderbirds uh, like well, the reboot or the reboot or the old? No, story? the original, the original day, uh, Thunderbirds. Yeah. So they yeah. Can... Yes. Parker, get the Thunderbirds. Yes, my lady. It's so insane that stuff, isn't it? I mean, that guy. Hey, listen. If we have a Punch and Judy show, we're just going to make a million. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought, thought it? And yeah. of course, one of the reasons that we clicked uh, Jessica too was I think Wesley mentioned that I'd work for. 2000 AD for a while so you're into all that kind of British comic stuff a bit too were you or well I have to admit, not so much me my brother my brother certainly so my brother was three and a half is still three and a half years older than me still <laughs> he would pioneer with uh, music and comics and things so I did have a look I mean obviously it wasn't really my bag but I nah, know his no, friends are massively into Judge Dredd and 2000 AD and yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I certainly appreciated the artwork 
You must have had yeah. some great. You must have had some great visitors over at the house. Well, yeah, I, I think that's possibly where I picked up guitar in the end. So, I mean, I have to say, my parents split when uh, when I was four. So, oh, wow. I don't remember before we lived in Wargrave uh, till I was Where's four. That? It's uh, just near Henley, near Henley on Thames. Oh, okay. okay. Just yeah. outside. Uh, so that was nice. I will say I don't. My memory's a bit fuzzy then. Then we moved uh, just across the river, me and my mum and my brother. And uh, it was in what we call the rock star belt. So George Harrison lives, lived in Henley. We had Ian Pace and John Lord from Deep Purple down the road. Barry Barlow was a good friend of ours up the road, you know, Toll's drummer. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people uh, around that area. So, yeah, they used to come around for tea and, um, yeah, family, friends. And they'd say, go, hey, do you know this chord or do you know this chord? So one day I'd learn C, then I'd learn G, then I'd learn another chord. Yeah, because um, I, I could and- play a song. And Paul Paul McCartney kind of took your mom under his wing, right? McCartney yeah. was a big fan of you. Yeah, he kind of led he her did. through the Apple thing. Certainly did. Yeah, the uh, they didn't stay that close, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, Paul lived further away, but uh, yeah, he was very supportive and made a great album. Yeah, we did. I do remember going to a kids' Christ, a big Christmas party where the kids were up with the, you know, we had the the clowns entertaining us, and downstairs all the grown ups were were doing grown up stuff. My mum wanted it, to be. Up now is it true that they used to have Ringo dress as a clown to entertain the kids? Maybe it was Ringo. No, I <laughs> seem to remember. No, I seem to remember Paul bringing in Ringo separately, and the clown was still there. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I have I have a great bootleg album of your mom and Paul McCartney doing a. Um, it was an Apple showcase, and um, you, it was your mom and, and McCartney, and they did a whole mess of stuff together. Oh. In, in fact, if you don't have it, I will send you a copy of right. it. Everybody here? All right. What are the- Uh-oh. Okay, we're back. <laughs> Yeah, you're back now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I have this great bootleg. If you like a copy of it, I'll send you one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's your mom and uh, McCartney. Because, the, yeah, they released the uh, his version of Goodbye. Yeah, 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 but oh, it was... That, yeah, that was fantastic, yeah. But this, yeah. Was a, this was an Apple showcase. Thank you. 
very easy to get on with. At first, I was very um, nervous of meeting Paul. I met Paul McCartney first, and uh, I thought I'd be frightened, but he was very easy to talk to. Very, very natural. Um, I don't really know them well enough to sort of talk about them individually, but uh, I know Paul better than the others. And, All right. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm looking for it as we speak, but it was pretty neat. There is so much stuff. I haven't even listened to it all. There's so much stuff from that day, especially bootlegs. Someone just uh, put up a whole load of her BBC um, appearances, you know, on, oh, really? on top of the pops and all sorts of things, all BBC shows. Yeah. And uh, half of them, and she couldn't even remember having done. You know, she's like, my God, where was that? I don't remember that arrangement or, you know. Yeah, yeah. But so, uh, yeah, she was very, very busy. Yeah. So how long did your mum's career last for then, Jessica? It wasn't, wasn't like years well, and years. Was it, was it about five, ten years or something, Max? It's, well, I mean, it depends, depends how you define it, really. She, yeah. she um, by the time she put out a song, Ocean Song, with my dad, she made the album that she'd always wanted to make. It was the second Apple release. And it was wonderful. And they, met, they had some very good friends play. Uh, Danny Thompson and uh, Dave wow. Cousins from Straubs and Ralph McTell were on there and they did a fantastic job. But she was uh, tied into summer season at Margate and she couldn't promote it. And she'd been forced to do so many terrible things that she hated wow. that um, yeah. she just she just said, stuff this and uh, married my dad and had kids. And she, she just had enough. And uh, she'd been strong armed too many times, unfortunately. And she yeah. did continue to work. She's been uh, guested on many, many things over the years. Mm. And then we started our record label in 2005. So we could put out a lot of stuff that hadn't been released before that she and Tony had made from, from after Apple onwards. Mm. So, uh, and we've just put out a new album. Well, uh, oh, we've just put out two albums this year, in fact, her new album. And there's a Christmas album of hers that we're just about to come out as well. And I, so. and I think there was a dozen 45s released on Apple. There was a lot of Apple World. That's right. There was a lot. Yeah, there's lots of uh, of weird little bits here and there. And then there's there were the songs for Europe, you know, Eurovision she didn't like, but fans still find them or ask for them. And, yeah. you know, where is it? And I think Apple needs to catch up, really. There's a lot of stuff they could re-release that, you know, yeah, they, <laughs> make money yeah. out of. I mean, because Apple put out a box set of uh, all the 45s. And uh, mm. there's like 18 cuts from uh, your mom. It's crazy, isn't it? When was yeah. that? Um, <laughs> the box set came out probably four or five years ago. But oh, cut- yes. The Apple... Make sure you're getting those royalties. Yeah. So. <laughs> the, Apple, the Apple UK singles collection. Oh, and, yes. Yeah, and she has a ton of work on that. Tons. So... Uh, yeah. The fans are still there. God bless them. It's because of them we were able to start this label because she said, okay, if I do do anything, I will not be doing interviews.
interviews or touring or going on telly or putting a pretty frock on ever again. She said, I'm uh-huh. done with all that. And, um, mm. and I said, all right, well, we can just make something and put it out. You know, there's the internet now. So I made this album, Festival Hall. I put it out and there were fans who bought it. So as cool. long as we cover our costs, she is in her element. You know, she just, Fantastic. she, uh, this album, I'll send you a picture, but it's that, that album, Another Road, we've just put out. She yeah, recorded cool. the whole thing herself. Yeah. Amazing. My artwork, Jim. See, is that your artwork? Fantastic. <laughs> well, she took a picture of uh, of some stained glass, and I I made it into a road. Oh, wow! Well, so, where I'm looking, it looks like a waterfall type thing. Or yeah, it's beautiful. Incredible. Yeah, good for so, you. Uh, Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's Breakfast Biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. So, I mean, this we just do everything in-house, so she has full control. I mean, if I if I involved any other artists or, or engineers or anything, Chris yeah. engineers, the whole thing mixes everything. Uh, if we involved anyone else, it would be a nightmare. So we just do everything between the three of us. Morgan helps out. My brother helps out as well. They put uh, can you just kind of quickly, you've mentioned your brother, the three and a half years older than you, brother, yes. quite a few times. What, is, what does Morgan do? Is he a sound engineer or? A... He, no, he's a composer. He, he started his own music house called Human Worldwide in 2001. And mm. uh, he's a very successful uh, composer for TV, adverts, that kind of oh, thing. Fantastic. And yeah, and, and he's an artist in his own right. So he put out an album in, uh, I can't remember, 2013, I think, 14, Ride, which is really great. Uh, he'd done some stuff before that, and uh, he's got new projects with an old friend, Sam, uh, called Ready, Steady, Die. He makes videos. Uh, yeah, he's really talented. Eh?
Because she's got all the all the creativity with none of the, the bullshit attached that you had to the yes. kind of media pressure that you had to go through back then. It's funny, and you yes. also reminded me of that insane British light entertainment circuit. You know that mag yeah. of the peer shows, and yeah, yes. got Carl Wayne with Roy Hull and Eam. You know, oh, I like know. Stuff, you know what I mean? Just kind of. And she yeah. had one herself. It was diabolical. I've got the audio here, but the tape keeps chewing up. Probably knows how bad it was. It was a pilot TV or a pilot. It was. It was Mary. She had an idea. She said, "Oh, I'll interview people from uh, you know writers and filmmakers and stuff like that, and you know do some some of the music from films or whatever." And they yeah. put her with a bunch of children in a pretty frock, and you know it's nauseating. This thing they made her do. It's just, just hor- horrible. I'm glad it got lost, but uh, you know, oh. <laughs> so that's what, so that's what she was even, made to it do. Didn't even air, no, or did it go? It did, it did. Oh, it Mary not with the six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We can't. There are no. Uh, there's no video. I think one. But uh, so yeah, yeah she just tons of amazing stuff. Apparently, music. Yeah, music from back in the day. All I gone. know they need to sort it out. I know they did, but there's still there's still things that have survived. But um, yeah, yeah so she she didn't have a happy time. Well, <laughs> also, yeah. my 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 her family as well. They were very keen for her to just make the most of any opportunity that came her way. So mm-hmm. she ended up saying yes to things that she, she felt pressure to do. And so well, yeah, back then I think probably people didn't realise there was going to be a legacy industry, etc. They probably thought. I mean, I heard John Lennon said like. We maybe got three years if we're lucky. We're just 
and they were knocking out, mm. you know, not knocking out, but doing albums really quickly, weren't they? You know, two in one yeah. year, I think one year. You're maybe. probably right. Just cream now it while Sting, you can. Now Sting <laughs> takes three decades to release his latest loot album. <laughs> anyway, like enough of that. <laughs> how, how about my, your... madrigal, my madrigal world. How about, how, about, how about your solo stuff? Let's talk about that for a bit. How about oh, you shit. Oh, yeah. Jessica. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we don't, we, don't call, we don't call Mary and talk about Jessica the whole time, do we? <laughs> she would if she did interviews. I'm sure she would. I know she would. <laughs> Bless her heart. She does yeah. on Twitter. Oh, well, my stuff, I, I released my first album in 2010. You're up to your fourth, right? I'm up to my fourth, right? My fourth, right? Yeah, I can uh-huh. show you, even though this is radio. So my first, I am not. Uh, that, my brother and my dad helped me out with um, with the mixing. That was great. Uh huh. Um, yeah. me thinking it was a cold and lonely place that was me thinking it was for the phonies you know on tv it don't look too inviting if not for you i'd never go but it's open my eyes so like prague or like paris the city to know you say I wanna buddy up with you can I show you all around my city we got the tallest buildings and don't we know it we got the best bagels and the best coffee the best in bars and the best in
people. But it's actually really funny about the kind of... And it's quite... Some of the songs are very... The arrangements are quite staccato, aren't they? They've got a kind of slight edge to them with, with a... Yeah, well... Sweet, but organic, kind of quite, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's them. I really liked it. Yeah, well, I've, I like I like some quite hard stuff. And um, oh, the man, good, thank you. Lovely well, yeah, stuff. I mean, we've got a good mix of things. Like Chris here is um, is he's a death metaler at heart, really, is by he? trade. So for him to end up working on nice Mary Hopkins folk songs, I think we've broken him over the years. But so yeah. we we can so we we'll work together. With, it does have that edge, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, lovely, yeah. And and. and uh, it, and how did you get named Jessica Lee Morgan? Where did the Morgan come from, other than your brother? Uh, well, Morgan is our grandmother's maiden name. Oh, so okay. Elizabeth. Because okay. if, if, if I was you, I would have named myself Jessica Lee Mary Hopkin Tony Visconti. That's how I would have gone out <laughs> on the road. I mean, I would well, have, looked, you know. Too yeah, long it's on the posters, though. I yeah, it's a, it's been a battle to be honest. I changed it when I was sixteen.
Like, I'm very proud of being in a, in a band with my dad. I wouldn't be in that band if it wasn't for my dad. But yeah. I have to I have to rise to the occasion. I couldn't be in that band of me crap, right. put it that way, because right, that would right. be horrifyingly embarrassing. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so yeah, he, he doesn't let me slack off at all because I'm his daughter. In fact, he makes me work harder because I'm his daughter. <laughs> so, well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, that's good. I think you're right about the standards thing. I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, Jessica, these days, the, the amount of stuff... Back in the day, we used to think there's quite a lot of 45s came out every week or whatever. But, I mean, now there's so much stuff out on, you know, everywhere, you know, in all different sort of platforms. Do you... Is it... Do you think it's harder to be heard these days or do you think it's, again, quality rise? you accept the fact that you're... You're working in an incredibly crowded environment, you know. Yeah, but there was shit back in the day as well, though, wasn't oh, yeah. there? It's just that hasn't lasted. And um, and so yeah. you assume that everything from 1968 was amazing because the good stuff has lasted. And I think mm. now it's, e- it's easier to be... Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender license in all 50 states and MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. Heard, because you don't have to wait for a, for a label to write, to sign you up and, and do all the work yeah. for you. You can just do it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But now we have to be much more uh, well-rounded as artists. You have to be an artist and a businessman and a, and a graphic artist and a technical engineer. And you have to know about, you know, like I'd recommend everybody knows about PRS and PPL, how to get your royalties, how the money works, uh, how to read a contract. Because I, I used to work for the PRS Benevolent Fund. And, I was um, that, yeah. Yeah. It, and the, the number of, uh, well, beneficiaries I had to visit who got completely shafted because they didn't know how to read a contract or they were taken advantage mm-hmm. of or, yeah. or, you know, they, they played for this, this and that major star, but they never got paid. Uh, yeah. And I go, well, have you sorted out your PPL? And they go, what's PPL? I go, well, the other half of your royalties, mate. <laughs> and they go, oh, I don't know about that. So um, I yeah. think it's better now because it's more transparent. You can literally 
make your own record label right now from scratch and be in complete control. And I think that's the only way to be, frankly. But on top of all that, you have to be a social media expert because, you know, I kind of, you know, I may be wrong, but I think social media now is more important than being a good artist. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, it really is. I mean, if you could get your stuff, it could be crap, but if you could get it yeah. in front of everybody, it's going to catch on somewhere. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's fair or whatever, but you know, that's just the way it is. Well, that's yeah. business, isn't it? It doesn't really matter about quality. Yeah, it's, 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 just, it's, it's just that if you, know, if you know how to maneuver around, you know, Twitter, Facebook and, and Instagram and, you know, whatever, yeah. you, have a, you have a better chance of becoming an artist now than if you're a good artist. So, yes. um, you know, I use artist in inverted commas. I think if yeah. you spend that's very deadening, though, to spend that amount of time. The problem is, who's got that kind of time to do all the 360 degree stuff? Like, right, because you know, I mean, a lot of those people, like we talked about Live Nation, didn't we, uh, Elliot, and all those yeah. kind of characters, mm. they wanted like 360 degree contracts to give to us where they take percentages of everything live before, yeah. uh, yep. you know merch and everything which a lot of people can make money on and all that i mean is it difficult to monetize still you know is it obviously it's possible but is it again with this crowded platform we're living in at the moment is it is it is it easier or or more adaptable to to monetize now jessica or i'm not asking you personal questions but just you know to survive as a as a live you know a living ongoing artist you really have to ask yourself very carefully whether whether it's a very, very big-headed thing to say, I'm an artist, uh, you should all pay money and buy my stuff. That's really yeah. massively egotistical. So you have to make mm-hmm. sure that what you're giving is not just uh, that you can sing and play a guitar or that you can knock up a song. It's that do you have something that people actually want to engage with? And even mm-hmm. if it's only like our shows now, I never thought I'd be doing online stream shows, but it's brought yeah. people to see our shows who wouldn't have managed to physically get to us, like people in the far north of Scotland or in Japan or somebody yeah. who can't leave the house. And they've all said, your music means so much to me. That particular song or this particular song speaks to me and I love it. And they get really emotional. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's much more than I expected. And then they, then they say, have some money. And I think, well, thank you so much. But obviously we are giving something, you know, we've got the banter and we talk to them and, I've seen so many artists who are proficiently musical artists who are proficiently really good, technically good, but they sit there like a sack of potatoes or they've got no audience rapport. Yeah. And you think, well, why should, why should they, why should I spend money and go out and see someone like that who really couldn't care less or seems to not care whether the audience is there or not? I think maybe now with all this, you know, the way um, the virus has knocked out live industry, I think it will might cut out a lot of the, the fluff and the people who haven't got their act together. This might sound very pig-headed of me, but I think oh, no, you have to work so much harder now. And it is, it's not just about, like you can have not very good songs, but your onstage manner might be so engaging and wonderful that people just want to see you for your banter. Hmm. You know, and they go, well, the songs are, are okay, but you know, that have guy is so anybody in my, any particular artist in mind with that? Or? Well, I'm, I'm, th- <laughs> I'm thinking of... Well, no, but I am. Th- I'm thinking of two who we've we've played with recently, and they and they are they are excellent performers and songwriters as well. Uh, oh, right. Robin Hitchcock, we've been on tour three times with. In fact, we're going to oh, we were wow. supposed to play the Delaware uh, mm-hmm. Pavilion again. Uh, the Delaware. Was, yeah, we're going to we're, we're booked to the Cafe Bar. It was supposed to be this year. We've got that's down. Uh, that's uh, down on the seafront from where I live, Elliot. Yeah, where we had yeah. coffee. We're going to play in there. Let's play with your yeah. dad. And, and I, I I love yeah. Robin. Will, I, it will. Then. 
I love I love Robin's work. He is so um, he's amazing. He is. I mean, I, I love the things that he put out. He'll he'll grab a group of guys and you know say, hey, let's do the White Album tonight. Yeah. <laughs>
Thank you, thank you. The late Ian MacDonald, in his book Revolution in the Head, makes uh, one of many good points. He says about that song, uh, he says, the thing is, he says, that's a rock song, it's not a pop song. He's going into, they're going to rock there, and of course, it had those big bombastic feel to it, and it went down very well in the stadiums. And um, the interesting point is, when the Beatles did actually play the stadiums, after that was written. I don't think they ever played this one actually live, even in the studio. It was a series of magnificent edits. Please edit along in your heads with us as we say track eight. And these guys will they'll hobble through it. That there's like tons of warts and ugly things coming out exactly. of it. But it's so much. It's incredible. I mean, I think exactly. I had, yeah, yeah, and um, the Baruch. Uh, yeah, um, Jim. I don't know if you know this, but years ago he he um, rented two double-decker buses, and he sold tickets, and he took all his fans to see his uh, where he was born and everything, and he, he's, he'd stand outside of the buses sure, and, you go, then. and do some acoustic numbers. You know, this is where I used to have breakfast, and, you know, do another number. You know, it was that kind of thing. The guy's incredible. I love Robin Hitchcock, I, you know, since since the Salt Boys days, you know. and um, oh, yeah. boys, that's right. Yeah. He's I, a yeah, and, I said and, to his sister. Yeah. It, you know, his, his banter in between the songs, you rabbit on for about 10 minutes and then yeah. go, oh, yeah, it's a song. And, he actually... And his sister he, said, he did a, yeah, he does a stand-up. Yeah, he actually rented a storefront on, on in Manhattan. That's right. And he did a live show just in front of the window, you know? Storefront. And, yeah, I need to and, and Incredible stuff, incredible. And he's, um, you, know, he, you know, he keeps it, um, keeps you guessing. But yeah, yeah Robin's, a, yeah, I love Robin and... Um, if you see him, tell him I want to do a podcast with him. I will do. I will <laughs> I've been, do. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been looking for him for, and I just can't seem to find him. But oh, I, he's on know. Twitter. Oh, he is. He's on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm not on Twitter yeah. much, but um, yeah, I love Robin Hitchcock. He's oh, totally. you know, I, I, um, guys like you guys had so many great uh, artists. Tony Levin. Do you know Tony? Oh, you, I love Tony Levin. Yes. Yeah, Tony passed he's, away. He's no, no. Oh, no, wait, I'm, no, not, no, no I'm thinking of the other Tony Levin. Yeah, there is another Tony Levin. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, uh, um, I mean, you guys have such great guys who pick up an acoustic guitar and just do wonders with it. Yeah, uh, we did some gigs with uh, Damien Wilson recently as well. He's in a band now with uh, Adam Wakeman, who's Rick Wakeman's son. Yeah, yeah. And Damien's banter is just incredible. He's got the most phenomenal voice, amazing, like high tenor voice, but... Uh, yeah. His banter as well is so engaging. And then he would just go around and talk to the audience and he'd play with his sword. It's just brilliant. Yeah. You know, he yeah. could, yeah. could just not do the guitar as well. Yeah. So that, that's what I mean. We need to raise the bar. I've, I've, I've gone to see live music before where I just think, why am I here? This person is rubbish. I know we all have to start somewhere, but you see people who are supposed to be really good. Just think. You mean they're punching the above their weight down. too soon? Sort of I think so but then yeah. the more that pub the more the public get told this stuff is really good then they'll just suck it up and then I well that's know. the whole thing that's yeah. where social media dangerous thing for me to say but that, that, that's where social media does such an injustice yeah. you see them all over the place and you think they're incredible yeah. and you get there and it is it's rubbish it's a lot of you know, yeah. crap and and, yeah. and the and, the, and it's, it's yeah. it was like that in the old days too uh the, the major artists yeah. the guys who are really good never got to the forefront you know, I mean, yeah. um, you know, there, there was some great bands, but look how long it took T-Rex to break into the American yeah. 
you know, and, and the, yeah. the only thing they're known for is Bang Gong, really. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I used to listen I to mean, them yeah, when it's... the acoustic duo doing a thank you, da da, all that yeah. kind of really weird elfy folk yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I used to work. I used to work with Flo and Eddie, and they did a lot. Oh of, yes. Yeah, they did a lot of the uh, T Rex albums, and um, you know uh, Howard Kalen and, and Mark Boland were very, very tight, and um, yeah, they just couldn't crack the market here. Bang Gong was it, and uh, yeah, I remember yeah. that record so well. Yeah, yeah. Very and that was, I thought that was one of his best. It? Did Tony produce yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, yeah, he did the most of the way through. Yeah. My but, brother yeah. said to me, if I ever interview Tony Visconti, I've got to ask him about Jeepster. I don't know why, Jeepster. but I've got to, you know. What about... <laughs> My brother just loves Jeepster. Yeah. It's <laughs> actually a really good song. Very unusual. Yeah. At that time, too, it was quite unusual music in a way. It was really stripped down, wasn't it? And very yeah. Almost yeah. empty, wasn't it? Bang. Get it on, or whatever it's called. Let's mm-hmm. get it on. It's a very empty piece of music in a way. There's hardly anything well, there. Anyway. There was well, electric, strings the, in it. The whole album, Electric Warrior, was mm. was a bare. But, but you know what it was? He just came from that acoustic thing. You yeah. Know, he was doing that thing with Mickey Finn, and uh, you know, um, you know, it, it was a two man. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Acoustic thing. I never got the Mickey Finn on Congas thing, to be honest. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they, compared they, to the Conga players I've seen him well, on. Well, well, yeah. Carabella was busy that week. But you know, they took away Boland's uh, acoustic guitar and, and gave him, a, you know, less Paul. And yeah. so, you know, go do the same thing you were doing with the acoustic and you'll be fine. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what they were, and um, I think he didn't mind it, did he? he? He adapted fairly well. Yeah, he did adapt real well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, and what platforms do you prefer, Jessica? To obviously, probably you'd say all of them, but is there a specific way you like to to reach your people, your crowd of fans, your your following, or whatever? Is there <laughs> my my huge crowds of fans? Uh, well, live live is always the best, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I love a live audience. Uh, I don't mind whether there's three people or well, I'd say 2,000 people is probably the biggest I've played to, but um, yeah. not, all, not all of them there to see me, I must add. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I love live. I love getting people singing along. I love, you know, hearing the banter, all that kind of stuff. You can just about mm-hmm. get it on YouTube with the chat window, <laughs> but it's not quite yeah. the same. Uh, yeah. I, I really hate being in the studio all, all the rest of my family are studio rats they can spend hours poring over the details and you know every last mm-hmm. thing but I it's can't a weird environment it. for people isn't it for some people I think yeah I just I just want to do it as quickly as possible and uh, and get it done wham bam thank you ma'am that's it 
<laughs> but my mum, mm. having just worked, you know, we had to work over Skype with my mum on her album and sending mixes backwards and forwards. Then we'd have a Skype session. Okay, this bar three, I can hear something, a little click there, it needs to be blah, blah, blah. Gosh, oh, yeah, yeah. detail, the three of them. Attention to detail is incredible. My and I'm just completely the opposite, as if I rebelled. Well, well after this podcast, your um, your listenership is going to be going way up. You'll you'll have about seven, eight new fans when we're done with you. Wow, that's huge! <laughs> that's huge in my world. <laughs> yeah, that's what oh, the. Yeah, that's that's, that's, oh yeah, that's you're two of them. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. So I'm happy um, with that. That's huge. Small it's, a, it's a fickle thing. It's a fickle you, thing. Like um, if if I'm a new I'm a new um, fan of Jessica Lee Morgan, direct me to some direct me to something I need to listen to Jessica. You know, so, <laughs> I mean I, I've listened to Forthright and one of the other ones today. Whose name? Sorry, I can't remember. But I can... well, there's Around the Block was the middle one. Um, I don't know. Well, a bit of that Around yeah, the Block reboot. and I am not. Which one would you advise people to listen in chronological, or is there one that you really? love people to hear or you want people to hear i don't know they're all different i'm proud of them mm. in different ways they're, they're just mm. good selections of songs as far as i'm concerned i mean uh reboot and i am not a uh, kind of the same album you know reboot is a reboot of i am not uh okay. because by right. we you know we made i am not and then people would say oh but you're a disco you're a disco act because there happened to be a couple of program tracks on there so i literally one i was booked for a gig and then he went off and listened to uh, I Want to Be Famous, which was my girl band spoof disco track. And he right. said, oh, no, I don't think you're right for this, um, for this, I don't know, beer and cheese festival. I was like, what do you mean? I'm perfect for beer festivals. I stand there with a guitar. So, yeah, I, uh, so we did reboot to reflect the way that we play those songs live, which is just, you know, it's me and Chris. Chris only joined me on stage in 2015 when we uh, supported Holy Holy for the first time because they were, bi- right. you know, much bigger theatres. So... He mm-hmm. gives some really good, um, well, literally bass bass support and. Um, yeah, Chris, he's a bass these days 
So forthright, we've written a couple of those together, uh, Modern Day Girl. Uh, so, yeah, so that's it's evolving, definitely, which is nice. And there's some yeah. other side projects I've done. as well. There's a Beatles complete on ukulele I did as well, Long and Winding Oh, Road. yes, that's right. Yeah, I've heard that's some of that. now and again. That's really um, fun, that project. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I need to get cracking about, on it. Going back again about your involvement, are you still involved with PRS or...? No, I left, uh, well, only as a member. I worked for the PRS fund for three years. Um, In between, I came back from a a three-month stint in in New York, kind Mm. of working with my brother. And uh, I worked, yeah, I visited um, beneficiaries. So anyone who needed needed help, I'd visit and uh, try and help them with their benefits or their cooker or their new sofa or whatever they needed, you know, for really hard times. which is perfect because I'd done jobs like that before. My song "I Am Not" is all about my time in, you know, social policy and service user involvement. So for me, it was the perfect job, and I understood the music side. Um, mm-hmm. But in the end, I had to leave uh, because we were going on a six-month tour, a six-week tour of America, and my boss wouldn't let me have the time off. So I said, I, it was my job to say, "Oh no, you shouldn't rely on music as a main income." A bit like Rishi Sunak's doing now, but it's been true all along. Yeah, you should, yeah. you should have a plan B. You should not rely on music as your main income. Um, but don't tell anybody I said that because it's gonna... not quite as bad as acting, but it's up there, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Um, it's not a very good career choice. It's not guaranteed income or anything like that. No. So all these people, you know, they any they, creative they, arts, really. Yeah, yeah, they've been really successful in a lot of cases. Some people had never been successful, but they could still apply to the fund for help. I mean, there's not there's beneficiary there's benevolent funds for all sorts of different uh, careers. You know, I, I, it was great I, working I, I, I've been talking to the pioneers of uh, music and um, it seems speaking to the like the execs, the salesmen and stuff. It yeah. seems that the whole music industry was built upon the notion that it's never going to last. Yeah. And grab what you can where you can grab it really quick and yeah. don't give back. And, yeah. and that, that seems and, and I, I, you know. Jim, you know, we've been talking to like Jeff and, and Bill Parazzo and guys like that who've been in the industry, you know, 60 years. And they said that's what, how it was set up. It was set up to abuse the artist, to just kind of suck up whatever you can. And, and you know, really don't give anything back if you don't have to. And, and because it's never going to last anyway. You know, it's, it, 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 it's a fleeting business. So yeah. I, think it, you know, I think it's kind of run like that now. I mean, they just... 
you know, if you go to say somewhere like Tesco's, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 if you ever see CDs these days, they're all yeah. now that's what I call music. I spoke to the Holy Trinity this weekend. I spoke to Joel Selden, mm-hmm. who, who's a great author, right? And he's, yeah. he's seen it all. He, you know, he yeah. worked for the Chronicle, uh, Bill Parazzo and uh, Jeff Traeger. And, between, and Jeff, the, yeah. between the three of them, they said, this industry was built upon the notion that it's never going to last and just grab what you can and run. Yeah. So, you know. Absolutely. Uh, it's just it's amazing why anybody's so surprised that it's going sour now. It's like yeah. musicians yeah. have been giving up. I know these are terrible circumstances now and, you know, it's not in our hands and venues are closing for no good reason and that sort of thing. But Christ, yeah. you should always have a backup and you can't, like I said, it's an incre- I find it's an incredibly pig-headed thing to, to be a musician and expect people to come and listen to you. You know, yeah. it's certainly no, I know what you mean. It's not, not the job, it's the job thing, is it? Yeah. No. The jobbers are different as well, you know, the, the Wesleys of the world, the session musicians or the people who play in bands or orchestras or stuff, you know, they should expect maybe some better, they work harder than not. And also artists. Wesley had publishing contracts with Warner's and I think he had Warner's Chapel, didn't he? And he had, uh, he, he did 40, I, I was amazed, he said to me one day, oh yeah, Jim, oh yeah, Jim, oh yeah, I, I've done a, <laughs> you know, he's like, <laughs> I know what he's I won't, saying. No, I won't speak exactly how he speaks. Just he might now. listen to this, Jim, be careful what you say. I know. <laughs> oh, I've already spoken today. I said, guess who I'm talking to you like? <laughs> you said to say hi, by the way. Um, oh. He's done, you know, 40 US tours. It's like, the guy's amazing. You know, he's been in great bands. Mm. Had, a, had a name for himself. Very philosophical about it all. Come out the yep. other side fairly unscathed, you know I mean? And as yeah. far as I know, he's got that business head where he makes sure he gets his... His, you know, his payments and points back on time well, and all that. Stuff, you know? This is the thing, because he had to fight. he had to fight for his... Um for his rights on, you know, his PRS on, on the will you and all that kind of on stuff. Facebook, and it's not, yeah, told me about that. Yeah. It's yeah. never, it's never clear cut, you know, and, and you get writer's cuts and people say, oh, well, I wrote the, I wrote that riff, but I never got credit for it. I never got paid. Oh, you know, everybody, so I got a session yeah. fee for 200 quid and that's. Yeah. Or you get, oh, Rick Waitman, I was paid 10 quid for this session. It's like, well, that's, that's how it was done at the time. And you didn't ask for anything different or, you know, and then they, this is what we saw in the PRS. They took, 20 years later 30 years later they go oh, i i should have some uh i should have some um what you call it compensation for that for the way i was treated or they should set it right and you can't go back that far because it was done like in, in desperate times people just grab like you say Elliot, Wesley, everything, Wesley it and run. kind of got his he got his dues as far as i know without in the end yeah i mean I, it's like the old thing though well look you know, it's like I remember like, I was talking to your dad about Flowers and the Rain by the move because I said, you did those beautiful strings on that record. Oh. And he, I thought he probably said to, he probably expected me to say, yeah, about Bowie's heroes. But I'm just talking, <laughs> it's talking Bowie, about this by the way. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, those guys, they got signed by to, to a, a, manage, a management deal and then he licensed their stuff to a label. So oh, they yes. were double, double screwed. So they're oh, still yeah. on 20 quid a week back in the day. And their yeah. records are number one, two in the charts. It's like that is had no idea. that is criminal, I think. And even yeah. that sort of stuff, you say, well, you know, they knew what they were doing. They didn't they know. Didn't. What they didn't. How, how, didn't. how about the sidemen? You know, like he was Frank Zapper and the Mothers of Invention. The Mothers of Invention, yeah. So he yeah. paid them, but if they came up with a riff, he felt that he owned it because he was paying them a salary. Yeah, yeah. And so he got the royalties on it. 
and so that would have happened all over the place. Property. Yeah, intellectual yeah. property. So not only were you getting screwed by the record company and your manager and your booking agent, but yeah. the guy who led your band was screwing you too. And that was pretty commonplace of yeah. Uh, yeah, people I, that we were talking about. I, I mean, look at the Hall of Fame. Frank Zappers will be in the Hall of Fame, but the Mothers won't. No. Nope. You know? You know, Ooh, David yeah. Bowie will be in the Hall of Fame, but the Spiders won't. That kind of no. thing, you know. And they changed, and they changed the rules of it. So PPL changed the rules about uh, what was a featured performer and what wasn't a featured yeah. performer. Yeah. So, yeah. so the people, the people <laughs> who are relying on their royalties for for their pension in their old age, are now saying, well, well, that's gone now. But meanwhile, the song still gets played on radio two every five minutes. So, uh, it's it's not easy, and you have to you have the only thing you can do is know as much as possible as you possibly can about it. Um, yeah, and then you're less like sixteen-year-old kids knew nothing. I mean, of course it's not, not like no. now where information's everywhere and very reasonably easy to get hold of. But you know, I spoke. If, if, yeah, if you know to look for it. I spoke to Dennis McKay last week. You guys know Dennis. You know, yeah, you guys know Dennis. I know, right? Right? Yeah, producer. Yeah. Dennis is a big producer too. Uh, mm. Dennis said that uh, a couple of weeks ago, these kids came to his house, and um, they said to him, "We're looking for a producer." And um, we heard you're great. Would you like to produce us? <laughs> so he says, well, let me hear what you got. And so they, one of the guys said to him, do you mind getting me a glass of water? So Dennis leaves. <laughs> he gets him a gla- comes back with a glass of yeah. water. And the guy says to him, by the way, what does a producer do? Oh. <laughs> so he, he said, you're what do you mean? In the, uh, the world Get out of my house. <laughs> He said, what do you mean, what does yeah, a producer yeah. do? He says, well, we know we need one, but what exactly are you going to be doing for us? And, it and was, he should have said, how are you going to pay me? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I guess they had some money, but um, they had oh. no idea what a producer does or why they needed him. But they went to one of the finest producers <sighs> who ever lived. Did he say your cash ain't nothing but trash? Or? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. People still, you know, they ask me, "Oh, do you think your dad would produce me?" I was like, "Well, sure. You're going to pay him. Who's going to yeah. pay him? He doesn't work yeah. for nothing. You know, they don't work on spec." Yeah, but we used yeah, to get yeah. bands. We uh, Chris and I ran a studio in Cardiff for a while, and we used to, even then we used to get bands going on saying, "Oh, well, you know, you should let us. You should let us record for free, and then uh, you know, you you'd get paid on the success of it." And we're like, "Yeah, yeah, because you're going to be famous next week, aren't you, mate? Just cough up, <laughs> cough up the yeah. mere thirty quid for this." I'll room. tell you, funny, I think it, the most I'll, illusory people are the ones that are really shit. Yeah. Yes. Oh, really yes. dreadful shit, and you. I mean, I remember once going around to somebody's house with a guy called Ron Sanso in the States. And this woman played as her kids, a cassette of her kids' song. <laughs> and I just I just wanted to burst out laughing. Just <laughs> raw, raw with laughter it was that bad. Well, I'll tell you a funny story. When, 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 John Lennon, when John Lennon was coming back to the music industry with a double <laughs> fantasy, right? That was oh, his yeah. comeback. No label was going to pick him up because... Really? He wanted them to sign a contract prior to the album being made. Whoa. Now, this is John Lennon, and nobody picked it up, except David Geffen. And that's how he wound up on the Geffen label. Geffen said, I'll give you the shot. Just come with me, and you can give me the album later. But none of the big companies were going to take him unless they heard an album. So if 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 Lennon couldn't do it, how could your cousin do it, you know? Well, this is it. This is it. Yeah. They don't sign, but they don't sign you on talent. They sign you on whether to. they're going to make their money back. That's yeah, the only yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And don't forget, and, and don't forget, like CBS and everything else. 
the record business was secondary to them. They were making, you mm. know, stereos and TVs and, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> records were just, hey, you know, let's make some records. So, you know. We something to play on them, yeah. Yeah, so, know. you know, you know, you were like a, uh, you know, uh, artists have a shelf life, so to speak, I guess. Oh, yeah. So well, that, that's the good thing now. It's short term, though, isn't it, I think? Even now, I mean, I don't know. When I listen to the the new stuff in the charts, I... I don't really like it. I don't like the sound, the way it's put together. But it's not like I don't get it. I get it, but it just doesn't... I don't get it. No, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get, get auto-tune. It. I don't this, get this, this high frequency. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Yeah. I-
we started a uh, we had a very hopkin band we did a, a tribute because my mum wouldn't go on tour i said well we'll take your song so we we did a little trial run unfortunately never more but we had brian willoughby who uh, played with her back in from the 70s mm. and his wife catherine craig and uh, christian and, and our friend simon on the uh, on percussion we were all going to get five long blonde wigs and come on with those <laughs> we never got around to it in the end yeah. brian was well up for it though i think it was his idea did you do the yeah. tour then the, the mini trip we did or? we did three gigs we did uh, london and cardiff and and swan the uh, pontadawe where my my mum's hometown which was nice right but yeah, but it's, it's, that, this is the thing, getting a show on the road, you know, you have to sell it to an agent who thinks he's going to make the money back and then you have to sell it to the promoter and then this and that. And I, it's just hard work. It's really hard. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We thought all this in this uh, technology was going to liberate everybody. And in some ways it has, but in other ways it's made life. You have to, you have to kind of work a lot harder now just to, you know, I've seen it in the publishing business. It's like a mate of mine is mm. in the, music industry for a long time we said he said the music industry is like a car boot sale now in a way unless you're mm. right at the very top but there's a big chasm from that top to the next yeah, sort of tier. the tiers are very separated yeah. and whatever yeah you know, and, uh, well, you've got the rolling stones can can all fleet with mac they can coast through anything can't they and, and charge 100 quid a ticket but uh yeah yeah, I don't know. No, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pay that kind of money to see anybody. I don't think. What, what's what's going to happen now? That um, you know, yeah, what's your predictions <laughs> for, for for the music okay. industry? Well, yeah, yeah. how do you feel about? I mean, do you see what do you see the future as? I mean, we're right um, this down. we'll sell it to somebody. <laughs> I just think people have to think creatively. We, uh, in fact, uh, we had tea earlier on with the, with the, the lighting uh, director for Holy Holy popped round, and. You know they're they're in a different field, so they they get. I mean, the crew get more work than than I do, certainly at my level. Oh. But they're always working, uh, and if I'm nice to them, they give me gigs, which is nice. So, like it, it, he invited us to play those gigs, Warwick Castle and Blenheim Palace, and the guy who put those on was Patrick Nally, who um, I think he did like the Concord for for Live Aid. He got the Concord sorted out oh, to fly yeah. Phil Collins yeah. over or something like that. So he's oh. a he's a big wig in sports advertising. Mm. And uh, they just set up these really nice gigs and everyone was very happy. And we had live music and they had headliners and it was lovely. And so there are gigs happening. Yeah. I think now's the time we can break it all open. We can we can stop this ridiculous uh, promoter culture and the, where they're nicking 25% of your merch and mm. um, and, the, and just the, the inflation of everything. You know, we can do gigs that are more accessible or just nicer to go to or more civilised or friendlier or just more smaller gigs rather than, you know, fewer, I mean, very I big gigs. I always hated gigs after a while because they're so, yeah. like, you know, everybody's out of their head, you know. I mean, you know, those, yeah. everybody makes so much shit. I was, I went and saw that guy, Father John Misty, and at the Delaware. Oh, yeah. I think I got a ticket for that. And I was, people were just walking, standing, you know, they come and sort of stand in front of you. Yeah. You'd be like smashing them over the head with a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> you don't depress us, you don't depress us, me, you know. Yeah. What depresses me is old people dancing in the aisles. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I'll say to my wife, man, look at that old dancing person dancing. Technique. Then I'll say to my wife, look at that old person dancing. She says, you're older you. than them. You're older oh, than them. You. You know, so, well, God. holy, holy now, the promoter insists on, on seated venues, but there's always a bit of a graphic. <laughs> you know, the band, we want to see everybody up and dancing, and Glenn says, everybody stand up, and then he gets told off, and then the bouncers go, everybody sit down, and then stand up and sit down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when, when they're seated, but it, they don't want people dancing. 
No, well, certainly not in the aisles or, or down yeah, well, the fire. Yeah, I mean, you know how many heart attacks they get? Well, exactly. <laughs> or, you know, fire. But it's very difficult, you know, holy, holy, for a really loud rock gig yeah, to yeah. go out and you're all like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. the audience all sitting there politely with their hands folded. It's yeah, quite right. disheartening. Everybody stand up and you hear like 2,000 negs going... <laughs> 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 Mass Let's get that on the album. They can't yeah. stop him by the end. We haven't got at the end. We went to see. Good. We went to Good. see. Uh, we went to see a performer. Uh, I don't know, actually, a little over a year ago by now. But um, real famous guy. He was big in the '60s. A lot of number one hits, and uh, um, he looked good. And we oh, went to say hi to him. We went into the dressing room. You know, you know, I know the guy, and, and we, we, blah blah blah. Anyway, after the show, we went to see him to say good night to him. And he's sitting on the couch with his girdle on zip. And he looked like Buddha. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and it will hang out. He, could, he couldn't move. He, could, he was so tired. He must have been wearing an Iron Maiden. That's how tight this guy was pressed <laughs> in. It was like... <laughs> It looked like he was a twin. I thought he had twins when I came back. That's <laughs> um, why you haven't told us who it is. Yeah, yeah so I, I yeah. stopped going to show. Just, name, just about right. get through the holy holy gigs, and then you know we we'll get back to the hotel. My dad goes straight to bed. That was a Bowie tune, right? Holy holy. Yeah. Oh, what? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're and, supposed uh, to be going out next week. And Woody Woodmansey on drums, isn't it? Woody Woodmansey on drums. Yeah. Glenn Gregory on yeah. vocals. Don't yeah. say it out loud. <laughs> The thing is, these these chaps. We we did a few gigs with um, Cliff Bennett and the Rebel Rousers, and uh, he was great. He's, he was great. He just had to take a bit longer between between uh, songs to get his breath back. But you know, he was still giving it. His voice is still pow, and he's eighty, and he really tries good? himself to gigs. But yeah, he's really good. So the, you know, you know I, 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 how did you? Usual bill, is it? My oh, agent. Yeah. One of my agents plays guitar in his band, so um, he had us oh. in to support and then I got up at the end and joined the horn section on my sax and played um wow. what was it uh do 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 that one oh wow oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. hold on I'm coming yes yeah, wow. wait, wait 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 hold on I'm coming I'll tell you a great tune I, I, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I spoke to Bobby Whitlock from Derek and the Dominoes and Bobby's first gig he was the first white Stax record label artist do you know oh, that yeah anyway he said um you know, uh, Dave Porter and Isaac uh, and Isaac Hayes, they were a writing team. And um, Porter's in the bathroom one day, and Isaac says to him, "We got." He, he bangs on the door, and he says, "We got to come on. You got to get out of there." And uh, Porter yells out, "Hold on, I'm coming!" <laughs> and Isaac says, "I think we got a tune here." And, he, and they go, "Hold on, I'm coming." Oh, brilliant! That's yeah. a great song. Yeah, and that he becomes. Superbly, or whatever the word is. Yeah, super. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous, incredible. Yeah, incredible. that's how that song was written. Um, this is why musicians need to be in the real world because this is where the songs come from. You know, they come yeah, from. Yeah, like, uh, uh, yeah. You know, I, I spoke to John Fiddler a couple of weeks ago. Mm. You know, John from um, Medicine Head. He just released. No, a, he just released a single. He sound. It sounds better than anything he did over the past 50, yeah. 60 years. Incredible music. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's in, yeah, yeah, I think it is. And he's, oh, yeah, I think okay. it's called a, a Warriors of Love. Warriors oh. of Love is mm. the name of the tune. Great, great tune. And um, 
you know, he, um, he, you know, these old, these older guys are still doing it. It's amazing. What well, they've got the experience. I mean, I guess I, I fall in that category now. <laughs> you know, I'm probably yeah. not of a signable age anymore. Well, but I've well, certainly got well experience. I want you to know something. You're, <laughs> you're the youngest and. <laughs> Only Wendy serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling fit-tacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th, C-Club for details. The first female on our show. Yay! Find yeah. the flag. Give <laughs> it for women. Come on. The young, the young female flag. <laughs> All the women out there, come on now. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I think I think older musicians do. They have they have more experience. They're probably more confident on stage and. You know, and I think they are winning because they're all, they've all, st- I mean, Robin Hitchcock started his own record label just now yeah, with, his, yeah. with his partner, Emma, and uh, our friends, Brian, Brian Willoughby and Catherine Craig, they've put their own music out. We do everything ourselves and, and you're completely in control uh, and you don't give your money away for nothing, you know, right, which, is, right. which is really quite gratifying. You, you administer your mum's music, don't you? Is it Mary Hopkins Records or? Mary Hopkin music, yeah. It's you, Hopkin no S. I've got to correct you on that. Hopkin no S. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry. And, <laughs> and you, also it's your... Bowie. It's Bowie as well. Bowie. David Bowie. Okay. Not Bowie. Yeah, Bowie. Yes. <laughs> you. Yeah, Bowie. Do you have your own label as well, Jessica? Or Yes, we have Space Records. It's all um it's all within so our company is Space Studios, which was our company in uh, when we had a studio in Cardiff. But it's basically we do um Mary Hopkin music, we've got space records, we've also got space books, we've published a few of uh uh Chris's mum, Annie and Thomas, she writes books as well. So right. yeah, it's basically anything anything that our family does, um yeah. we can help them put it out there. Like you say, why not? Why not be self published or, you know, family published everybody else's yeah and it's good stuff you know it's it's good if you believe in it and and people and yes. if, if three people buy your album they say they like it only one in my book you know that's 30 quid that you can keep rather than having to give give to a record label or recoup your advance or anything yeah it's a funny thing because the whole sort of stardom and i always remember reading an, a feature of marvin gay where he's sometimes saying about i don't sometimes i don't want to release my music because it means then it gets out there and everybody has their own opinions about it. Yeah. Jabber, jabber, jabber. And I think he was kind of saying, I mean, like what's going on is obviously a classic album, but I mean, if they had only so sold 2000 copies, it wouldn't make it any, any less brilliant than it is. It's still a, do you know what I mean? It's not just about sales, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's sometimes that gets in the way of art though. It really kind of, kind of deflects people away from what they may be. I mean, you, you talk about record sales. One of your dad's favorite albums of mine is by a band called Caravan. I don't know if you know oh, yeah. Caravan. Yeah. Caravan. Carbon. 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 Carbon.
Carmen. Carmen, Carmen, yes. Carmen, yeah, the gypsy music. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ca- Carmen. Did you ever hear of Carmen? Dancing in a Cold Wind. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. In fact, I told him one of these tracks on, on my first album, Carmen. I said, can you do a Carmen? You they know, do a tune Carmen. called um, Dance the Gypsy Dance, I think. It's the yeah. opening of the album. Oh. Great, great tune. It's incredible. You'll love it, Jim. It has a, like a little. They, uh, they, they're nothing to do with a guy called Eric Carmen. Are they? No, no, not Eric. No, Carmen. Okay. They were they, they were gypsies, I believe. Yeah. Or, or, or they came across yeah. being gypsies anyway. Yeah. yeah. There was, and I bought it because your dad's name was the producer on it. You know, back then. Well, yeah, he loves. Right. I mean, he's right. he's worked with so many. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call them tiny artists, but lesser known artists, and yeah. incredible talents. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he, he'll work with anybody he believes in. Uh, you know, if he finds some good and they've got something to he, offer, and then he great, great yeah. album. It, it's an incredible album. Yeah. And Carmen and Carmen went on to do like four or five other albums, um, yeah. but that one was the one that kind of had the sound to it. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, check it out, Jim. Yeah. You'll be able to find there's it. A, there's it. a lot of really good stuff that really. I remember that you chew had a, sorry you chew you chew. <laughs> You three, you two had a record label for, I think it's called Mother Records, and they had a band on there called Engine Alley from Dublin, and they were fantastic. I went and saw yeah. some really grotty little gig in Hastings, and they were great, but they didn't, they never happened, you know. Yeah. Split up a year later, but, yeah, you know, there, there are those things, aren't they? Carmen sound like, definitely worth a listen, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is different. Like so now, so now you can make you can make your album and put it out, and it's just you and your market. Right. You yeah. know, it can be that small. There's no fluff. You don't have to recoup your advances, and you can. And then if you sell, if you sell two thousand copies, that's amazing. If I sold two thousand copies of anything, it'd be a bit ecstatic because because then yeah. there's no one else taking lumps out of your income, yeah. and your income control. And if people discover you, that's great. I think we do. We all have to re reframe our expectations that it's not about selling a hundred thousand copies anymore. Uh, because to do that takes an awful lot of hype. It takes a massive hype machine and a record label and billboard campaigns and TV campaigns. And, you know, that's not that's not about the music. That's what my mum gave up. She said it's not about the music. It's about being famous. Mm. She doesn't want to be that. that all person. the other stuff. Do you remember yeah. when you do you remember when you two put that album out and forced on everybody through iTunes? Yeah, it still pops up yeah, on my I never iTunes. listened to it. I never listened to it. Is that any good? <laughs> No, I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I got it, but people Nobody were pissed. Did. I didn't. People were pissed off because you know, one day they woke yeah. up and they had a U two album on U on their That's on bad. iTunes. That's and, not marketing. Uh, so they they gave it away spam. for free, and nobody wanted it. Yeah, there is a thing about the, the perhaps sometimes. Well, it happens all across business. The more you charge, the more people will will value what you do. Yeah. If you yeah. give it, if you give yourself away for nothing, it, then people will think you're worth nothing. That's right. It seems yep. to have bollocks their career up. Well, it seems to. I'm you know, sure they're crying right now. Yeah, they're crying all the way to the, <laughs> the vaults of their Swiss bank account, but it seemed to fuck them up a lot in the sense that I think people just thought, Ugh. I think people get a bit well, sick of the Bono, you know, St. Bono thing anyway. I'm sure, but, I'm sure they have a lot of devoted fans. My dad produced yeah, them for. Yeah. Did something uh, with them. I remember we went to visit them in the yeah. in the hotel room. You know, for the preliminary meeting. So we, us kids, were tagging along for the weekend. Yeah. So I remember cool. sitting on Bono's hotel bed watching "Don't Wait Up" while my dad yeah. had the business meeting in the other room. <laughs> I, I I I was uh, uh, managing a stadium at the time, and I, I had a little golf cart, and I'm going around the property. And it was we were doing U two. We were doing the pop tour. Remember the pop tour? Oh yeah, that mm. was huge. 
And, Loads um, of cars, German cars hanging about and all that. Uh, no, 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 that was a different one. This, one. this one was like from Target, you know, Target, the Target stores? Yeah. This was very oh, popsy. Yeah. yeah, it was very wow. popsy. I mean, I'm driving and I see somebody laying in, the, laying in a bush. So I stop <laughs> my thing and I go over and it's a Lars from Metallica. Wow. <laughs> What's he doing in a bush? You know Lars? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> he was he was he was plastered. He, he oh was he was just laying in the bush. So uh, he was he was with his wife at the time, who was a doctor. She was an MD. Oh, thank and God! And she said, "Yeah, he had one too many." So I said, "Okay, help me." So we tossed him in the back of the cart, and I drive him into uh, uh, Bono's uh, Bono's uh, uh, dressing room. You know, we take him down the <laughs> ramp, and we tossed him out. I was like, "Yeah, so." <laughs> Yeah, I would yeah. tell Chris that you like that. Yeah. <laughs> rock and roll, rock and roll. <laughs> so you bring I, I up Metallica. Metallica in a way because I feel, you know, just not putting anything on me, but I feel happiest now the fact that, you know, as a writer and artist, I can publish ebooks and mm. different platforms. I don't think they've evolved to where they're going to, where they could become maybe very multimedia and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But um, I, I like the fact that, you know, you. The more people involved, the more bullshit. I've met so many idiots in the music mm. industry. I can't believe, you know, just talentless bullshitters, hustlers, mm. you know, like real, and they really can scope you out because they're good at scat- glomming people. I think the American word is glomming, isn't it? Glomming yeah. suckers, you know. Well, yeah. Whole, you know, glomming the kids. Well, <laughs> I think, I think you go to jail for that if you glom the kids, right? <laughs> I think they have to be 18 or over or something like that. But you know what I mean, though? It's great to have it, to be able to, if you've got talent, you know, and you you feel you've got a vision, to be able to have that kind of control. If you've got enough money to keep going, I think that's a great place to be, really. You're not going to be rich, but you're you're going to be sort of artistically really rich, I think. And I think... I mean, that's what's that's what success is. I keep saying, oh, I wish I was more successful. And she said, well, you stand up on a stage and play a gig and people clap and then someone gives you a bit of money, even if it's only 50 quid. That's doing what you set out to do, isn't it? So you it's the same thing. Have to it's not as magnified as, as it was back yeah. in the day. Where there was and and fans are much more aware of how to support their their favourite artists now. You know, we've got Patreon and we've got, you know, mm. um just direct to fan stuff, so it's do easier do now. Crowd, do you do crowdfunding for stuff? Or? Uh, no, I haven't Maybe needed to because I don't have massive studio costs. So basically, oh, I right. can make an album for nothing right here yeah. in the studio. And Chris, I'm lucky enough. Well, we're, we're blessed to have Chris on our team because he work yeah. <laughs> work for yeah. room and room and board. He's uh, putting fingers up at me right now. <laughs> but then we just Is that have the to one pay... in shackles. You told me about is in the corner in shackles and chains. My shackles, <laughs> no, he's wonderful. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then we just have to make the CD. So we only have to pay for, you know, the CD manufacturing. And now I've just discovered that you can do uh, pre-orders. I can ask yeah. fans for money before I put the, before I order yeah. the CDs. And they go, yeah, take my money. Well, my mum's fans particularly. They, yeah, that's good though. They go, so, yeah. Take yeah. my money. We pay for the CDs. Then I put them all in envelopes, send them out. And uh, it's great because all the money's ours now. It's, mm-hmm. We don't have to pay. Brilliant. Yeah, people who you think I've asked people to do stuff for me in, in the past, you know, business things. And I think, well, that's not what I asked you to do. Or they take five times longer or they just annoy you in the process. Or you get 25 cents for every CD you sell. You know? Yeah. Whereas now we get 80 percent of it. Oh, the yeah. mastering guy. That's right. Chris is out. We've got we've had the same manufacturer and mastering guy, uh, two yeah. separate guys um, 
he lives in in the wilderness in Wales. He's a lovely guy. He's very sensitive, very very expert, and mm. um, yeah, we've got a lovely little team. So yeah, mastering manufacturing and uh, Royal Mail for postage is brilliant. Let, let me you, ask you, sorry, go on, Elliot. Let me ask you about your career. How would you? You you actually did go through a couple of phases now, right? You you started out a little more heavier than you are now, right? Music wise, basically, yeah. Um, Possibly, yeah. With a, a, I did more program production, but I might that the next album might be more back to that as well. Yeah. More programmed. Yeah, because I just kind of gave you stuff a quick listen to, and I noticed your early days, it was, it wasn't as you know pretty and light as as it is towards the end. Oh, interesting. And, yeah, and I kind of like um, I kind of like what you're doing now. It's it's less um, it, it it's like looking at something pretty without all the makeup on it. You know. Oh, I, I kind of like. Well, yeah, yeah, I kind of like that. It's, it's, it's mm. really, I like your new style. I do, whatever that's. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah, I don't know if it was intentional that way. It's just that that's yeah. the way we because we've been playing, you know, live shows much more, and that's how we come across. And yeah. so I notice when people buy our CDs, they go, "I want that song you played." What's the third song you played? And I go, "Oh, it's here on this one." So they go, "Right, I have that," and they want to take home. Uh-huh. The bit, the bit of you that they've just heard. They don't, want, you know, this is much more produced. Yeah. I mean, that's possibly why I haven't worked with my dad since then, even though he keeps saying, well, well, well let me well, help you with your album. Well, that, that could be because, you know, I like Robin Hitchcock too. So it's that, yeah. it's more, it's more on that level. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, you know fo- what I mean? More, more folk feel. Yeah. More organic. Yeah, not even, I hate that term folk. Acoustic. Acoustic. Yeah. <laughs> Acoustic. <laughs> um, yeah. Because that folk stuff, that, that crap nearly caught on in the 60s. <laughs> you know, it was oh, like yeah. folk music was, you know. You know, banjos, I still get references to banjos. Troubadour and things like that. They sound like I've come from the, you know, they say, oh, this song sounds like she's in the Troubadour or whatever, which no, no, is no, a great no. compliment. Yeah, there is some great folk music. I was joking about that, but your stuff is more, <laughs> more acoustic. And um, yeah. it's really nice. You know, it's it's kind of, oh. uh, you know, uh, Jackie Levin type stuff. And, um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, and Robin Hitchcocky and and that kind of thing. And um, oh, it, wonderful. It, I think for you... Uh, Personally, hey, but I'm the guy who thought that Journey would never make it. So what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> I almost didn't. I'm didn't far I? enough. Columbia were going to drop them after the three. I know. Progressive psych oh. album. Well, I, I don't know. Chris and I have been writing to together. Scenery. Sorry, go on, Justin. The stuff that Chris and I are writing together is really quite heavy. You know, his his EP, um, which he put out this year, he's working on the next one now. But it's very, obviously really heavy because that's that's what he likes. And we've written a few together. I think I'd like to go heavier. I'd like to go. I love, you know, I loved eighties, nineties uh, rave music. I was a big raver. Yeah, yeah. I love all that I mean, stuff. Really heavy I, on the programming and beat. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and I, I, don't, I like I don't that want stuff to do too. Yeah, yeah. But, so but I don't know. But I think your voice, what you're doing now, just kind of suits you great. Oh, uh, thank I th- you. I think it's a good mix. I'm yeah. a very no nonsense kind of person, and I think that as well. It's just like just. <laughs> do what it takes to get the song across. That's that's the motto, yeah. really. Well, you, so you, you don't overdress it. Your dad would know how to produce that. Yeah, if he wants to work with you again, he did but a lot. Funny of- thing is, I go I go to my dad and I say uh, I say right. Oh well, Tony Visconti's going to produce me, so he'll come up with something in my head. It's something like you know avant garde, like the Low album or something. But then, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what he'll you look at me and, and in his head, it'll be like Mary Hopkin or Nana Muscuri or Elaine Page. Cause you know, so then I end up with, with the sweet, he's got a very sweet taste in music as well. He loves 
wonderful vocals and you know and, and mm. like the strings and stuff so he can do all that stuff so unless i'm very clear about oh. what i want but also the other fact is that he's insanely busy so yeah you know my projects get obviously put put to the back because he's got to take the other stuff so uh i don't know we, we should work together again really <laughs> I should take is advantage. He, is, he, is he is Tony in, in New York? Is, is New York? Space? Yeah, yeah. He has a he has a room in my brother's studio. I mean, he's the only one in the studio at the moment. Everyone else is working from home. But that's that's where uh, Bowie when we were out there. So I got to bring the coffee oh, in and yeah. say hi yeah. to David in this little room. Yeah. So yeah, but he's also uh, he's got involved with the Visconti Studio in Kingston University in you know West London, and it's a beautiful big octagonal room. And we uh, he worked on Ralph's, he produced Ralph Mattel's last album a couple oh, of years wow. ago. So wow. uh, so I went along and did some vo- backing vocals there, and then my mum did some, but she did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sang with Ralph at Festival Hall a year later, which was lovely. So yeah, so we have we have worked together, and my dad was very proud. He's, very proud of the way I picked things up quickly in the studio. Yeah. What was the deal with the studio in a university? What was that? Well, know. they had they had this room for a long time and the studio and they have a music course there. But um oh, okay. I don't know how they got it together. They just thought it'd be a good match to have Tony as like a as a head visiting professor or I don't know oh, what they right, call yeah. him. But he got doctored, you know, they we had a whole doctor ceremony and they put the put the hat on, he got doctored. I shouldn't say Chris is losing his <laughs> They made him a doctor, so he's now Dr. Visconti. So Fantastic. they had a whole ceremony. Yeah. Do you have to call him doctor when we eventually... I have to, I have to doff my cap and walk out of the room backwards every time I see him now. <laughs> Jessica, is there any... ...that you really like and love and that you listen to that you'd like to tell people about? You know, just oh. throw the spotlight onto some other new God, or emerging a, or established or whatever, question. you know. I don't listen to anything. It's, it's appalling. Really? Appalling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I love. I love it. Like doing these recent gigs at the at the at the castles and everything. You get to see the other acts on the bill, which is always lovely. And that's that's the only time I really pay attention to live music is the other guys. And mm. the ta- the talent was awesome. A couple of amazing guitarists, and we met Damien Wilson. Um, right, yeah, that name. Sounds yeah. Good. No one, no one has really caught my ear. I must admit, but uh, but I kind of gave up listening. So I'd end up listening to older stuff, or I'd try and refresh my memory. I found Robert Plant and Alison. Oh, that's lovely. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, t- I do tend to go backwards a lot, which isn't, which isn't very good. But every time I, I turn on the radio, like you say, I, d- I just don't get it anymore. Even the, oh, even good. the, even the singer songwriters. It it's so weird. It's just it's so. I, I don't, don't like know. The there's no soul. There's no spirit or something. No, I don't. Even when they get just one person and a guitar, they still manage to sanitize it to such a degree that it's not real anymore. You know is that it all vocal the is not. Quantizing that they do, do you think? The... Yeah, you know, you can tell. Everything with an sort of it's... Yeah, it's quantized. It's auto-tuned. It's comped. You yeah. know that that you won't get a line that goes from beginning to end, or even a whole verse. You'll get uh, a vocal that's been cut up phrase by phrase. Yeah, which you should yeah. only really have to do with a really really crappy singer <laughs> and, and there's no and there's no bridge there's no bridge there's no bridge no bridge you see the bridge i use the bridge to or the middle eight i call it to just turn yeah. the song around like yeah. i'll pose the problem here yeah sum it up in the you chorus did that really bridge. well on the the opening track on the the new album forthright i thought on um yeah, sorry, thought, yeah the packing it up changes, it changes after the that sort of kind of staccato way of singing and then it just 
changes into a more poppy feel, you know. I mean, it's really funny. I remember once I asked Chris Stifford from Squeeze a question of production. And he, I said to him, they had an album out called Some Fantastic Place. And I said to him, how does the song sort of build, but not just, you know, like people put a bit more into it and then they go into the verse and then they build in the bridge. And he said that, because that was produced by Bob Clearmountain, if I remember correctly. Oh, yes. And he re- and that's the kind of vibe I got from the reason I'm saying this is because this track you wrote the first track on the on the record a bit about being on the road and he said oh Bob Clear Mountain uses uh, compression to build and open songs and I didn't quite fully know what he meant by that but that's the kind of vibe I've got of you like the song sort of suddenly went slightly to a different direction and opened up a bit more in a yeah. sort of right. poppy way you know hooky sort of way i'm really going to listen to that a couple of times again after speaking and i think just sorry go on i think they used to call it the gate you know the compression thing you opened up the gate and what you did was you kind of this kind of um it was more like a treble sound more of a treble setting you just add a little more treble to it and it would just open up a little you know they do for a radio mix and that's what you hear now in in uh, pop vocals they put this uh, frequency at the top and it's like yep. and it really cuts through and, and yep. yeah. similar kind of yeah, well, they, there's no head yeah. on it anymore there's no place to go back no. then they, they used it sparingly they, they they'd start here and yeah. bring it up a little now they start right. here and there's nowhere to yeah. go there's, you know, they, know. Just, yeah. they, they top it the loudness wars was a big thing for a while wasn't it albums being really yeah. overcooked yeah. Well, that's why we like our mastering engineer because he, he, when we first went to him, uh, he said, "How loud do you want it?" And we said, "Just loud enough." And he went, "Oh, thank God! Right, we can work together." Because he get asked to, they call it brick wall limiting, and it's just to be the loudest, and it sounds flat, and it sounds like it's been squashed. And there's and, no um, place to go. There's no place to yeah. go. Rest to pieces. Yeah. But that's the radio, and the radio is full of it. So, so we've been caught out a couple of times when someone says, "Oh, play," you know, "We'll play your song on the radio," and we haven't got a radio mix or a radio master or anything. Mm. And it, it does, you know, against all the other stuff. Sometimes it can it can lack the same power. But I just thought I'm not I'm not playing this game anymore. There's my album. Oral, oral exciting, you know, exciting the yes. mix so much. Yeah. In yeah. fact, there are plugins. They're called exciters. <laughs> Yeah. Oral, exciters. Oral, oral exciters yeah yeah i mean it's um, it's a kind of an inter i mean i find the whole thing of production we're going to try and get kit kit wolven on here at some stage and, oh yes and you know, kit we, i kid. met him that day and stayed in touch yes. with him a really lovely guy and yeah he told me a few things about phil Linnett and you know and your dad <laughs> and working on scary monsters and stuff like that so you know um that's a whole other science scene which is amazing and have you learned you just to kind of wrap things up fairly soon? Do, have you learned a lot about that side of things? Because you said you tend to want to go in, do it, and come out. Because <laughs> yeah, I have you learned more about the actual science <laughs> of balance, putting a mix together, a sound picture, all that kind of stuff. Or? Oh well, yes, I think yeah, I understand all that definitely. I could I could do it on my own if I had the patience and I, obviously really, I have yeah, to. Oh, right. yeah. Okay. Um, like uh, on uh, I am not all the songs that uh, Tony produced or mixed i had no all the songs that morgan have mixed all the electronic ones i'd programmed them all, all myself um so the structure was there and the arrangement was there so yeah i know what makes a good mix um but i haven't got, got the patience to fine tune so that's where chris has the patience to do that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah but definitely yeah i know i used to pay attention as much as possible as to what you know made a good sound and my dad has told me some of his tricks over the years but he says 
the, at the end of the day, you have to have a good song and some yeah, talent. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you can then record it on a dictaphone and release that, and it will sound great. Or you can have mm-hmm. someone who's utter crap, and you can give them all the production you can throw at them, and they'll still be crap, but it will yeah. be a good production. So you have to you have to decide where you're starting off, really. And um, yeah, stop I think the old maxim is if the song sounds good on acoustic, yeah, you know, bare acoustic, bare vocals, then you've got yeah, lovely. Let me let me digress. Remember, we were talking about famous last names. You know, if you would have used the last name, there was yeah. a um, Joe. Um, what's his name? The guitarist, uh, Joe Bo- Bonamassa. Oh yes, yeah. he had a band called Bloodline. Did you ever? Do you remember that band? No, I don't. No, not not me. No. Okay, this was who was in the band. I have it written down here. You had Aaron Hagar, Sammy Hagar's son. <laughs> Wait, you had um, 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 Waylon Krieger, who was you know, who was Robbie Krieger's Robbie son. Krieger's son. Yeah, you had yeah. Barry Oakley Jr., you know from the Alban <laughs> Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Barry Oakley, and the drummer was Aaron Davis, Miles Davis's son. Oh Jesus, poor buggers. The, <laughs> the name of the band was Bloodline. Yeah, and, and it went nowhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, yeah went it went nowhere. It went nowhere. Yeah. Was it nobody... any good? Any good? I'm sorry. Was it any good? It's totally good. I mean, oh, I don't know. I, I never, I never heard it. Oh, I see. John, okay. Yeah. John yeah, Congress's yeah. sons have a band called Congress. John, John wrote um, "Step On." You know the Happy Monday. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was weird. John Congress is a friend, friend of the family, and my mum recorded one of his songs. And his four sons are in a band called Congress. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I've often joked about this. You form a band with, you know, could form a band with Malcolm Bruce and. Danny Harrison and you know but actually nobody's interested in the kids I think until the parents are dead we often have a joke probably after my parents have popped off uh, I'll be well in demand because they can't get to them but while they're alive um, uh, they think they can get to them through me and then I have to say well you know so, you know, so um, it's it's really hard so well, we just have to do what we do and, and be true to ourselves but it's, I thought uh, that that Bruce son and Baker's son and somebody else had done a Eric Clapton's cousin, Eric Clapton's cousin or nephew or something. Yeah, it's really, 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 it's what it is. Eric yeah, Clapton's yeah. nephew, I think, or something. It's the, like. uh, the something of cream, yeah, the sound of cream or something like that. And yeah, uh, I don't yeah. think it ended well. I think Malcolm and um, the Baker, uh, Baker, Co- Kofi is it? Kofi Baker. Yeah, Kofi. Yeah. Musical differences, <laughs> but I met Malcolm. Uh, Musical differences that they're playing their parents' songs. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. There was some. Um, you, well, if he's inherited Ginger Baker's genes, then yeah, there was music some differences. Equals, let yeah. me get away from this guy as soon as possible. But you've got to try. I mean, I, you know, I I do yeah. live shows here, and I say, you know, tonight we're going to play all my dad's songs, and that's when he tunes in, checks up on me, and you know, we're doing the holy holy stuff. It's great, but you know, we've got yeah. Woody and Tony in the band, so as you say, we're not a tribute band. You know, yeah. I, I couldn't do it on my own. It would be a whole different all ball game but um while tony's ah. around while people come see him and while woody's around we'll just do it and we have you remember, fun. You remember wilson phillips yeah, yeah they were great though weren't they they were they, yeah, they had they had their and moment probably all these artists are still you know they're still working they're probably making a fortune songwriting you know behind the scenes or something like that yeah you know, there's so many of these people maybe i mean they had great vocals i didn't think all the songs were great with them but, no, but they were nice pop, really pop songs pop wasn't it? Yeah, but still good. There was still. Juice, oh yeah, it wasn't. Wasn't, wrong. There, wasn't it? 
they did, they, they did a whole album of their parents' songs, though, didn't they? I think they did an album of like Beach Boys and Mamas and Papas stuff. You know? Yeah, we all do it. We all do it. Yeah. I, uh, Chris and I were asked to play at a Beatles Day in Belgium. That was fun. And yeah. I say, you know, you're not going to get Mary on a stage anymore. So it's me. So yeah. I sang them. And we had these grown men, big gruff record collectors sitting in the front crying their eyes out. And they said, really? wow. I never thought I would hear that song live. You know, we played Sparrow that she recorded and they loved it. And then they yeah. all ran off to my to my record store that I had there and they just wanted everything. So well, it's, it's it's amazing now because that's the new trend. I spoke to some people about it. Um, I'm I'm really friendly with the old turtles, you know, Flo and Eddie, yeah. and oh. how Howard Kalen's not on the road anymore. He's sick. Yeah. So the guy from the Archies is filling in for him. The guy who sang Sugar Sugar, oh, um, yeah. Ron Ron Dante, and nobody cares that it's not the original guys anymore. They're just happy seeing somebody up there singing happy together. Yeah, you know, look, look at Fleetwood Mac. You know, uh, Buckingham's gone. You know, I know. And they brought uh, Neil Neil Finn. Yeah, they brought one of the Finn brothers in. And, I and, love and, I love the crowded house, but uh, yeah, yeah, I love <laughs> I, I love the Finn. I've been listening to the Finn brothers since uh, Split Ends. Oh, they're and, lovely. Uh, yeah, and um, what's his name from uh, Tom Petty's band? Uh, Campbell is playing guitar. Yeah. They, nobody cares that it's not the original guys anymore. They just want to hear Everyone. that music live. Yeah, yeah everyone that's, will find the audience. That's why cover bands are doing so well. It doesn't matter that it's a cover band. I mean, there's well, exactly. one, there was one time when, um, what's his name, when Steve Perry left Journey, that there was a cover band making more money than the actual Journey out there was. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, they don't age then, do they? Like I, I sing no. with, um, with, a, uh, with a Led Zeppelin tribute act, they're called Coda yeah. Led Zeppelin, and they brought me in to do, um, to do the Sandy Denny part on battle of evermore so oh, i just wow. get up and sing that song it's great i just have the one song wow. they are you know they're they're a replica band they look the part the, the lead singer well they're all very very talented and it's yeah. a great show because you're never going to get led zeppelin ever and now, now now i don't know if, i don't know if they have this in, a, in uh, the uk but in america there's um les zeppelin which is a lesbian band i've seen them they're awesome yes Wait, i saw jimmy page saw them it was yeah. in the same room <laughs> did you ever see um little kiss no Little Kiss is a bunch of um, dwarfs dressed up as Kiss oh, out there awesome. doing Kiss tunes. Little <laughs> Kiss. Wait, wait, it gets better. Did you have a Dread Zeppelin? Dread, oh, yes. Dread Zeppelin happens to be great. They're, they're, they're Very big, good. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's supposedly a paid, um, that's uh, uh, Reggae Jimmy, Zeppelin, yeah, it? but it's Jimmy Page's favorite uh, cover band, Zeppelin cover band. They're great, though. <laughs> you know, it's the reggae band with an Elvis impersonator yeah. singing leads. Um, that's crazy yeah, it's amazing what's going on but little right kiss to... little kiss is the best I mean, these guys are you know all, all, all in makeup and you know, it's it's pretty cool yeah of course hayseed dixie is very popular over here yeah 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 jessica if um just to yeah. kind of round out here if if uh if anybody wants to to um kind of get into your career more wants to see your live gigs more wants to keep up on you how can we uh how can we direct them to your uh to the world of jessica lee morgan <laughs> i have my very own trans strands going on here haven't you, really? i do well i mean i just redid my website this year uh hand handcrafted artisanally crafted uh ww no it's not w anymore it's jessica lee morgan.com and oh, right. nice and all the nice big dates the cds yep yeah, nice and simple my and biography where you do your shows from too 
No, the shows the shows uh, have links on there to YouTube. It's uh, the YouTube channel is jlmsings.com. Okay, brilliant. Uh, so they can watch that on a Tuesday night. I think I don't know what we'll be doing next year, but for now it's every Tuesday night at eight o'clock UK time, and they stay up for a little while so they can watch it through the week. Okay, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Do join it's us and there. also give us money. <laughs> Jessica Lee Morgan dot com and Jessica JSL JLM JLM Sings dot com. Right, fantastic. And it's all well, linked from the website. Yes, very easy. Yeah. Well, look, I really, this has been really great for me. I really enjoyed this, uh, Elliot. Yeah. And uh, Jessica, thank you so much for, chat. for coming today and, and letting us. Hope you enjoyed your time with Jessica Lee Morgan, Jim McCarthy and Elliot. Remember to check out some of the other podcasts. Not Your Mother's Radio thanks you for listening. Stay safe. Not Your Mother's Radio is listener funded. If you wish to assist and help keep the station active, Funds can be sent via PayPal to Elliot is not your mother at gmail.com. Remember, there is only one L and one T in Elliot. Thank you for your assistance. It is appreciated. This has been a Not Your Mother's Radio production. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Duchess potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow, so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.